I'm Rubber Matt. And I'm Regular Matt. And, and this, this is, is the Welcome, Welcome Matt's, Matt's Podcast. Pod- Milk Pat. Pat- Milk Milk and Matt's <laughs> Modcast. Ah, so uh, this week or this episode, this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, male privilege. Mm-hmm. We uh, wanted to have a episode where we were talking about like feminism, but we figured we should probably uh, have like a guest come on to help us speak about that as neither of us are women. So to speak something more to what we would know a little bit more about, we went the the opposite side of it with the male privilege and it came uh, on the heels of the release of a uh, commercial. So it was a commercial put out by Gillette. It was, um, I believe the title was The Best a Man Can Be or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Uh, because it it's a derivative of their slogan, The Best a Man Can Get. Uh, and I saw an article i can't i can't find it now i'm sure if you look through it you'll be able to find it but there was a backlash to this ad uh and they were um responding to their attack on toxic masculinity um i guess um i don't know should we describe the commercial a little bit yeah sure okay go ahead so like you just watch it go ahead yeah so the commercial it it uh takes notice of how we now live in a different time um, than before. You know, something has changed Mm -hmm. that uh, we can never go back to now uh, with the whole uh, Me Too movement and people coming forward about sexual harassment and how it is no longer acceptable in ways that it was previously. So it's calling upon men to be better uh, to be better people um, to other men, uh, to be pe- better people to women, um, because ultimately our actions will influence the next generation. Right. Because, um, you know, we, uh, all the kids, they learn like sponges, they soak everything up by what they see. And so when you see um, your male role models acting a certain way, uh, you perceive it in you know a positive way mm-hmm. in in a, in a way that defines masculinity and so to be a certain way where you're against bullying you're against sexual harassment um it will lead the children to hopefully uh lead similar lives um but there was this backlash where people were upset about it that they didn't want Gillette telling them how to be men or calling them you know these like part of the feminist propaganda and mm. stuff and they're trying to turn men into women um <clears throat> but i a lot of people on the internet felt like these people who were hating so hard were probably the people who needed to listen to the message the most right right um but i i felt it was probably also good for us to touch upon the the reasons and you know things that changed and mm-hmm. where we where we stand now with like um the toxic masculinity and uh, male privilege. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, maybe we should start by talking about what male privilege is. What a good segue. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, so do you want to, you want to take the lead on this one or? Well, uh, let's see. Um, so I think the, how I would like to define it mm-hmm. first would be uh, that what male privilege is not. Right. So male privilege is not a handout. It is not something that people get. Uh, oftentimes when people hear the word privilege, um, there is this connotation that um, something is received. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess almost passively, right? Something is like given to you. Right. Um, and that is not what male privilege is. Uh, male privilege, if anything, is the absence mm-hmm. of something. Right. And is the absence of the discrimination mm-hmm. Of the, uh, uh, I guess, violence uh, that happens to uh, women and not having to worry about any of that stuff. That is uh, where male privilege, I think, begins. Right. Definition. Right. Yeah. And I think for us, it's more um, the having the opportunities that other people don't have and not necessarily in a, like you were saying, like given opportunities, but just right. 
less barriers to taking advantage of those opportunities. Exactly, right. So it's not so much that um, men have people throwing jobs at mm-hmm. them. Yeah. But when they go to these jobs, yeah. they don't have those barriers. Yeah, and I think I think one way to look at it is that it's just uh, like we aren't judged as harshly mm-hmm. in kind of like job settings and job interviews and things. I exactly. Think, um, you know, one thing is like when people are in charge, uh-huh. like a strong male right. presence is right. somebody who's like, oh, like they're a good leader. And then right. sometimes the opposite is for women, like they're strong leaders, but right. they're kind of looked down upon or like talked about behind their backs and things like right. that. Right. Yeah. It's perceived as like a nagging. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> yeah. And in that way, like that kind of, um, I don't know, perspective on somebody, it does limit your opportunities right. to, to get a better position, right. like promote within, or I don't know, in the temples, like kind of take on more leadership roles or be in charge of more things like that, mm-hmm. I think. But yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of our basic understanding of male privilege and i'm sure there's a lot more we don't know about. no there's a ton yeah, yeah. we could, you could really go into uh the different facets mm-hmm. of it for sure which we're going to do a little more in the podcast but it's just kind of like a baseline definition yeah, of yeah, like yeah, a yeah. starting point i think that was pretty good mm-hmm. yeah and i think well going on into that then i think you know some ways that we kind of can see characteristics of like male privilege is the whole like toxic masculinity thing that they touch on in the commercial um things like that was never like explicitly said but kind of alluded to in the commercial as a whole idea of mansplaining Uh and things like that so i mean we have a list here of like it's from what is it from well it's from it's from a from a website called Everyday Feminism. Okay, um, it's like 160 plus examples of male privilege in all areas of life, mm-hmm. and maybe we will read some off right now. Okay, um, just go ahead, pick one. Uh, well, we'll go with the first one that you can dominate conversations without being judged. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so I'm reading off of the website now. Women are perceived as too talkative, even when they're speaking less. With one study showing that women need to make up 60 to 80 percent of a group to have equal time in a conversation. And so uh, this, you know, again, like how uh, you were alluding to uh, people um, in like management positions, Mm -hmm. uh, the same goes in just everyday conversation. Right. That if uh, a woman is talking just as much, not even more, but just Mm -hmm. as much as a man, then they are seen as being too talkative. Whereas uh, men don't have to worry about that unless they're, you know, completely dominating mm-hmm. a, a conversation. But even then, you know, then it's it's seen in uh, in a better light. Right, right. And let's see. Let's pick another one here. Um, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, people don't assume something's wrong with you if you do if you don't want to get married or insist you must be lying and warn you that the time is running out. And I think that's something that's actually happens to a lot of women Yeah, that they feel the need to get married and they feel a pressure to have a family and things like that. Where right. in men, it's like, Oh, well I guess they just haven't found the right person kind of thing. Right. Right. And I think I, and I do think that's very unfortunate that like there's that pressure for women to find someone when they're still younger. Right. And, and like the whole, the like social norms, uh, when people, uh, are married are, mm-hmm. are very different. I, I, I saw a post on, um, Instagram. I wish I could, I remember what it was cause then I could give them credit for it. Uh, but they had, um, you know, they had one of the piece of paper that mm-hmm. they've written something on it and then it's like, we need feminism because, and then so, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the thing after that was, you know, they need feminism because when, uh, we go out to, um, company uh, get-togethers or something. Mm-hmm. My husband is asked about work, and I'm asked about my husband. Yeah. And so, like, that's you know this huge difference where uh, w- the women in relationships are expected to know about their husband stuff. They're mm-hmm. supposed to be able to talk about their husband's right. lives, whereas this same expectation is not placed upon uh, the male in the relationship. So mm-hmm. again, this privilege isn't something that's handed to the man but it's an absence of this uh additional expectation right for right. them to be a good partner right yeah. like how does mm-hmm. that make any sense yeah because you should definitely know what's going on in your wife's life <laughs> i mean like 
ideally, uh, ideally you'd be able to know what's going on in your own life yeah. first. <laughs> so like it, it's, if you, if you're going to expect someone to know about their partner's life, then you should expect it equally from both sides. Right. And I would be the opposite where I would expect both people to be ignorant about each other's <laughs> lives because it's their job. It's their life. Yeah. Do they really need to know all the different meetings that you're going to? Yeah. And so. nobody really so. wants to talk about their work life no, in, exactly. their, in their own personal life right. when it's like your downtime. Exactly. Unless it's something like exciting, which like a promotion or something. Yeah, I suppose. Even, Even then. then like, yeah. <laughs> Even then, keep it at work. I don't care enough. Um, Here's a good one. Um, You can enjoy partying without blaming your lifestyle if you're sexually assaulted. And I think that's it's true. Or even like so much as like going out and wearing like certain clothes. Like Mm. men are never judged for those kind of things. But then women, it's like, oh, well, she must be like she must have been asking for it or kind of thing. Yeah, we, we could probably do a whole yeah. podcast on yeah rape culture. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we as a culture mm-hmm. do not place blame on the rapist like uh, any other crime, which makes no right. sense, right? Where like if someone gets murdered, you don't think, well, what were they doing mm-hmm. to get murdered, yeah. right? Like uh, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a good one. You can use the internet without being harassed. And I think more so this um, applies to like social media mm-hmm. in that way. Or I think like a lot of women, girls, girl, women, females, like I'm thinking like teenagers to oh, like, okay. to like, I don't know, young adult women who uh-huh. are pretty active on social media. Uh-huh. I think a lot of them end up kind of getting harassed more than oh, yeah. any guys do. And Absolutely. I think it's too, it's kind of, the culture of pitting women against each other or that it's okay for a guy to like make fun of a woman. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. yeah and ahead. like, and like, uh, you know, cat calling too, mm-hmm. like that stuff, like in real life is, is terrible, but then it also translates into social media where that is for some reason more acceptable, you yeah. know, than, uh, and it's not that I feel like, that should be equal in that women mm-hmm. should be able to like cat call men. Like there should just be no cat calling. Like that's yeah, just cat not, calling is weird. No, that, yeah, yeah, that shouldn't happen. And so it, it shouldn't happen um, online either. You shouldn't be able to, mm-hmm. or you, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be seen as acceptable to do that. Right. To someone. Right. And this is a good one that kind of goes along with that, that in online gaming, if you can play as a character, or if you can play characters of your gender that aren't hypersexualized. Right. Yeah, so uh, the easy thing to point to is any game that has body armor. Oh yeah, uh, where those women never get the body armor. Exactly. So like the the body armor for <laughs> like, men seems very functional. It's like a metal bra, right? Like, and then but... for women, it's like it's clearly to a uh, a gender, right? So mm-hmm. like, um, I I understand that there's kind of an argument where you could be like a chicken and the egg, where it's like you're getting adolescent teenage boys to play games. So you want to put this, right? But at the same time, you can do it without kind of demeaning women right and yeah. and on top of that you could also start making things that appeal to women i mm-hmm. think y- yeah you know people there's this i think stereotype of who gamers are mm-hmm. but um i'm i'm really glad to see that there is uh, a great female gaming community mm-hmm. and games uh game developers should really start to try to uh focus on on them to try to um create things meant for that community uh, instead of you know, just one. Right. Right. And then maybe we could do one or two more. Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. Here's a good one. Um, you can negotiate for raises, raises, promotions, and other things without being seen as too aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a good point. I think a lot of, I mean, more so in the private sector and I don't work in a private sector and you don't really have this issue yeah. <laughs> as, as much. Right. Right. Uh, I think, but I do think that like for women, it, it can be seen as pushy where men, it's like, Oh, well he's a go getter and he's just trying to kind of, you know, make his way up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it right. is, it is seen as kind of a negative for women to be like, Oh, well I've been here for this many years. Can I get a phrase right. kind of thing? Right. Yeah, and then uh, also I think we, we touched upon this one a little bit earlier, uh, but like the perception of women who are assertive at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it says here um, you can be assertive at work without being labeled quote-unquote bitchy or quote-unquote bossy. Right. And 
you don't i think bossy uh well i mean like bitchy we really shouldn't be using yeah um in the workplace but like bossy uh very rarely i think do you hear uh well i mean bitchy shouldn't be used anywhere really but anyway so the bossy uh (laughs) uh you don't really hear men being called bossy yeah right they're just kind of like a jerk Mm -hmm. which doesn't seem fair either that only women can be perceived as uh being bossy yeah and then um let's see another one where if you're never promoted it's not because of your gender so again this is that absence of whenever you don't get promoted men don't think oh it's because i'm a man that i didn't get promoted Mm -hmm. right but whereas women you always have to like worry about that yeah there's another heading maybe oh here we go childhood and education um oh okay here we go here's a good one um adults compliment you more for your abilities rather than only your looks and you're not taught that the most important thing about you is your appearance and i think that's so true Absolutely. For, for boys i think they're a lot of times it's like oh they're so good at X. right and then when they see like like young girls playing and stuff it's like right. oh like she's dressed very nicely her right, hair looks right. very nice and then the boys come with like bedhead and they're like oh they're so good at yeah, yeah, all yeah. this stuff exactly yeah and i was actually talking to um someone recently about how it really caused some self-confidence issues uh for them because mm-hmm. um they were constantly uh being complimented on their uh looks you know, mm. not, not that they weren't unattractive, you right. know, like obviously they're, they're very pretty, but when the only thing that you're being told is, uh, that you're very beautiful, mm-hmm. then it almost makes this, uh, understanding of yourself of like, maybe that's all I am. Yeah. That's right? all your work. Right. That's of, the yeah. only value that I bring. And yeah. so when, uh, when that's it, you know, what, what else can you offer in, in a job, in mm-hmm. a relationship and different things. Right. So. Um, it, it, it really is harsh on your own self-perception. Right. Yeah. I think those are, I mean, I think those are good. And then I think, I think that kind of part of, or maybe the, I don't know, overall thing that we can learn from toxic masculinity is just that men in general are, have that leniency in their lives that women don't. And one of those things is that we talked about is kind of like dominating a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes into the whole like mansplaining thing is that men a lot of times are kind of more likely to take over a conversation Uh with just in a group setting Uh and dominate it without having any issues. And I think, you know, what goes along with mansplaining is just the dismissal of Uh other people's like perspectives on things, even if they have kind of a, greater understanding which is like the funniest thing to me right. is that like women who have like this vast knowledge of a certain subject and they're like oh no 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 let me tell you yeah. it's not like that yeah. and i'm like you're a jerk yeah and uh this is not uh an excuse by any means oh no, um, no, no, no. but i feel like men have uh this inherent need to uh, fix and mm-hmm. then also to explain things. Yeah. And um, again, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing for men, but I, I do feel like there is the similarity of that men like to fix things and they like to explain things. They mm-hmm. like to kind of show off their ability to, right. to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're more inclined to do something like that. Uh, and as a culture, we have, accepted that as being condonable yeah. whereas uh what we could do is while people have that feeling you know mm-hmm. to kind of mediate it to be like okay like i understand that you want to yeah say something that you might have some uh, expertise in this but that doesn't give you the right to cut someone off to make their uh input invalid or mm-hmm. to talk over them right right and i think I, I don't know to me i see you can kind of see a lot of this just in general in uh-huh. our temples uh-huh. too especially you more so being in like a very heavily like male dominated mm-hmm. like work environment yeah. right because uh, I, I don't even how many how many female ministers are there women uh i don't have the number three or four there's not very many right no it's not a lot because it's got to be like reverend candace four or five reverend patty yeah um and then um slow yeah uh reverend nakano yeah yeah uh reverend multi ocean stockton right 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 Uh, oh and uh reverend sekia and gardena 
Yeah, but she's not even the head minister, right? But she's still minister. No, 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 no I know. I, I just I just mean in general. Like, it's yeah. not like, well, again, it's, we're kind of coming back to that whole, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Like, as, uh, as leadership positions go, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, there is definitely a uh, um, disproportionate. Yeah, amount. and even in, like, my own life, I've never seen a female Rinban, and I can only imagine that happening in, like, the last five to ten years. At best. Did it happen? No. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't imagine it happening anytime before that. Oh, yeah. So no. if we haven't seen it in right, our right, lifetime, yeah. then I'm pretty sure we're not we're not going to see that for a while still. And it's, it's kind of sad because <laughs> I think there are people who are, like, very qualified to be right, Rinban, right. to be uh, Socho, and right. to be kind of, like, those higher, I don't know, positions within uh, the BCA. Right. No, absolutely. And there has been... Uh, um, so much uh, uh, discrimination kind of based on sexuality within mm-hmm. um, the ministers because it goes back to the tradition uh, where only men, you know, could yeah. be monks. Mm-hmm. And then once it became like a family thing, then there's this role that was created for the wives where mm-hmm. they traditionally uh, were taking care of everything, um, you know, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and again, not not an excuse, but because of that right. history, it's been hard to get out of. And so, luckily, you know, thankfully, we are seeing more female ministers come up. But mm-hmm. we are also seeing um, still a whole slew of problems because of this history that we've had. Yeah. Um, you know, if there is a female minister, if they have a husband. Are they expected to be like in this traditional role? I hope so. Are they I also hope that they get the uh, the <laughs> Montoshiki show yeah. for the significant other. So like and and like these different issues, they really shouldn't have to. They really shouldn't because like again, I could, this could be another mm-hmm. issue. But treating someone who is single versus right. someone who is married in different mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. is in and of itself discrimination. Yes. So like that's another issue completely. But like as far as the female ministers go, when um, these women are in the workforce, they mm-hmm. are treated differently. Yeah, which is definitely not mm-hmm. uh, fair to them. Yeah, and I don't know that. I mean, I'm sure you don't do it, but I I do see that more so with like the older uh-huh. generations. Right, it's right. kind of like, oh well, what does she even know what she's talking about, kind yeah. of thing. But then you see people like uh, Reverend Patty. Yeah, like she's Gicho right now. Yes. Yeah, and she's I mean, she's like one of the smartest people I've ever no, met. She's, she's like definitely like one of the, yeah. <laughs> She's like one of the smartest ministers I've ever met yeah. in general. And and she is one of those people that, you know, as a person that's just part of the sangha, uh-huh. I can look up to her in that kind of way and right. just me being a person in the sangha is right. kind of or being a man in the sangha, it's kind of it's interesting because it's like right. If I see her that way, it's I think it's even better for young women and girls to like right. see a minister right. who has so much knowledge and right. is so like, right. you know, I don't know, has kind of more power yes. in there in the BCA. Absolutely. And, and, uh, my whole, uh, I guess hope for the, um, perception of a minister mm-hmm. is that they're happy, mm-hmm. uh, because the, a lot of people don't want to be ministers because it's a tough life. Yeah. And I will be the first to agree that it is a tough life. Mm-hmm. But if you can show that these ministers are living a meaningful life, they're living right. a life that um, isn't, you know, that well, if anything is worth like the suffering, mm-hmm. then yeah. people would want to be uh, ministers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to the ministers to be taken care of because if people know that they're taken care of, then it's a field of work that they'd be willing to go into. And yeah, we need so right. many more ministers. And so, uh, like you were saying, to have people look up to these female ministers, mm-hmm. we need to protect that. We need to show that they're being taken care yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, and that way, uh, young women will see it as something that they could do. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to also, you know, show how incredible people yeah. uh, they are, how important they are mm-hmm. uh, to the ministry, to the BCA, to the yeah. association. So we have, um, you know, incredible people uh, like. Uh, you know, Reverend Sekia, who mm-hmm. has the the chanting um, certificate. So she I is. So <laughs> I always feel so bad for her because she's always like, everyone tells me how good I, how beautiful my chanting is. They never say anything about my Dharma talks. <laughs> and she does give good Dharma talks, <laughs> which is, you know, unfortunate people yeah. don't talk about that. Yeah. 
Um, and maybe it's overshadowed because she is such an incredible chanter. But Reverend Cotts is the same way. <laughs> but does he... I don't know. <laughs> he, al- he also gives good Dharma talks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. I don't so, know. And so maybe people overemphasize that. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. Maybe they're tuning out during the Dharma talks, which is on them and not on the minister. <laughs> yeah. It's not uh, like she can't do anything about that. <laughs> but, you know, these, there's this incredible, uh, you know, person who's more uh, learned than me, has mm-hmm. done more than me. So, like, I, you know, I look up to her. I yeah. Other people look up to her mm-hmm. in that same way. And then so. Absolutely. Uh, in, in seeing how she can accomplish so much, people will. Um, not just hold her in high esteem, but then look at it as something that other young uh, women can do. Yeah, and I think I think even if they like like you were saying, you hope that more women go into the ministry and uh-huh. become ministers and things like that. I think even so, like I would hope that we see more temple leaders, mm-hmm. if, even if they decide they don't want to, but they still want to be involved in the temples. I think there is a there is a a role within the temples that is going to need filling. And I think that women can take these roles and it's things like becoming the temple presidents and things like that. Cause I mean, hardly any temples that I know have women as their presidents and things like that. Well, it's also because we have uh, created this structure where women have their own place. Yeah. And I mean that in a negative way. Yes. That- yeah. And they're, they're very like, and the temple organizations that they're in charge of right. are typically consist of Biwa Right. And Fujinkai. Exactly. And it's and it's terrible because we both went to the um the women's national convention over right. the over the uh right. when was that? I don't know. Last year. Yeah, something yeah. yeah, sometime last year. And um there were some younger women there saying like, Well, we don't really know what BWA does except for like cook. Right. And clean and things like that. And it's sad because I do think that there is an opportunity for them to kind of rebrand themselves and make it a different, um, I don't know, like a different kind of structure. Right. But I do, I do see it as like a negative that, you know, as young women, that's all they see from the organizations that women are in charge of. Right. And I can't really name any temples that have women as their temple presidents yeah i'm not sure and i'm sure i'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's been, like a couple yeah, and historically too. yeah like, historically so. i'm sure there's a few but, uh, but you know general and generally speaking yeah. and i think for a lot of this we will be generalizing yeah. the bca and like the temples and stuff is that men tend to be the ones that are like in charge the most right yeah and and uh, again it goes back to the, the history where mm-hmm. The men were the head of the household. They did the yeah. um, construction. They did the uh, decision making, mm-hmm. and the women were, you know, regulated, regulated, delegated, Dele- regulated, regulated, regulated to what? <laughs> they were, they were, you know, in the kitchen cooking oh, and doing oh. stuff like that, yeah. taking care of the kids, whatever. Like, and that's what the gender roles were. Yes. Uh, and now, living in you know this uh, century, we. Uh, should be trying to challenge that, should be trying mm-hmm. to change it to show that women don't need to be just doing that job. Men right. don't need to be doing that job. You know, there should be men in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. There should be women in these leadership I would positions. love to be one of the men in the kitchen. Oh, I, I would too. Them. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but we have created this organization, the BWA, yeah. which at a time was, uh, and I don't want to take away how important it was or how it is, because mm-hmm. it is very important. And the yes. people that are participating in it, they do so much for the temple. Mm-hmm. But it has created almost this like glass ceiling for women yeah. where uh, you're the president of the BWA. You're not president of the temple. Yeah. Right. So then that's and even like then, And even like then, the I, I feel like a lot of temples, um, like the BWA doesn't really have as strong as a, of a voice uh-huh. as, say, an organization like ABBA. Right. Or like, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, uh, I can't think of the other. Like, yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just feel that a lot of the like women – centered organizations don't have that same kind of voice right other organizations affiliated with the temples have right so instead of having like an all-women organization and that's like the only thing mm-hmm. that you should be a part of or should have kind of right. voting power with that they should be in every single organization kind of indiscriminately right right it doesn't right. matter they should be leaders of all organizations including mm-hmm. the whole temple yes like that should exactly. be um seen more uh as a, a, a common thing for sure. Yeah. And I think one place where we're starting to see that more is in the junior YBAs uh-huh. and like 
I don't know if temples have yabas as much. Not anymore, not as much. Yeah, yeah but I, I would say in the junior YBAs, there's a lot of girls that are that tend to be the presidents uh-huh. or that tend to run things like the conferences and right. things like that. Right. You look at um, the Fresno conference, I think the last couple years it's been young girls who are the ones that are mostly in charge or take the lead on it. And I do, I do see this problem even within kind of our own junior YBA sometimes uh-huh. is that um, these girls – aren't necessarily respected as much as if one of the guys oh, was yeah. the president. Oh. So they have to be a little bit extra stern. <laughs> They'd be a little bit extra stern with, um, you know, the group. Uh-huh. So when they are, they're like, Hey, I need you guys to listen. Right. This is what we're going to do. Then that's when, you know, they kind of, and not in any way is it their fault, but they start to like alienate people uh-huh. within the organization. They're like, oh, well, why is she so mean? Yeah. And it's like, well, you weren't listening to her. So, yeah. I mean, what did you expect? Right. Kind of thing. But that's kind of what we were talking about is like females and young women and women in general who are in these leadership positions get labeled as, right. oh, well, she's just being a bitch. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Or she's she's too bossy. I don't want to be a part of it. Right. And it's unfortunate because it's like, they're so young and right. it's kind of already that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know that label. That perception, yeah, yeah. Being thrusted upon them. And I, I don't necessarily think it's fair, but you know, as an advisor now, um, I feel like it has to be my role too, to be like, well, you know, maybe you need to pay attention more right. and be more like, I don't know. Is if it was like your close friend, you would listen. Right. So you should respect her enough to listen to her, regardless if she's a guy or girl, your friend, not your friend, kind of thing. Right. And I I don't know. I just think like it's a shift for us and it has to start in these younger organizations so that when they come of age to be, you know, in charge of the temple more, mm-hmm. that they ha- that they kind of feel like they're on equal ground. Right. Kind of thing. Absolutely. And uh, I personally like feel that uh, young women are much more organized than young men. So I prefer to have young women. In yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely a maturity level yeah, difference. Maturity level is different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I look but, at my boys sometimes and I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? Yeah. Y'all fools. Uh, but like you were saying, uh, as, as a advisor, mm-hmm. our, our role. So for us as adults, for these younger organizations, definitely it becomes our role to set an example and to make people aware that they should be yeah. giving this kind of respect to their leaders, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what sex they are, that they shouldn't have these kind of perceptions of someone being, you know, bossy and to really, uh, like you were saying, look at themselves, yeah. uh, to look at themselves and what they're doing and why, uh, they have the kind of mm-hmm. reaction or thinking that they do. And if that is, uh, who they want to be, who they want to be represented as, um, the kind of uh, values that they have. Yeah. And I think for us as leaders of the temple, a lot of it we can kind of maybe bring back towards Buddhism and the idea that like all sentient beings are created equal for the most part, mm-hmm. that we need to respect men, women, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your sexual orientation is, whatever, however you identify as a person, that it doesn't necessarily matter what labels you have that we need to respect one another and it should be our goal to foster a community of people of beings together not oh well we're a community you're a community of women so we don't need to help you or this is a kind of like a quote-unquote boys club right we don't you don't really belong here that within the temples it should be our goal to bring everybody up um I think one kind of little thing that we don't necessarily touch on all the time um, is that, you know, the idea of the Buddha up up in the front on the Nijin, a lot of times we kind of look at it and a lot of people have the statue, right? Right. So I think when we look at it, it's like, oh, well, it's a man, obviously, right? Right. But as, as a minister, I think you can touch on this more that the nature of it is to be a little bit more ambiguous Mm -hmm. and that it's not necessarily a man or a woman. It's just kind of a being, right? Yeah. Uh, And like um, you could see it, I I think going either way in that it's 
uh, neither mm-hmm. male and female, but I think even more so it's both. Yes. That it's male and female. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <clears throat> like uh, Amida Buddha is portrayed as, um, you know, in, in the figurative language uh, because it, it's not actually something that exists, but, mm-hmm. you know, the personification of wisdom and compassion. Right. But in the explanations, uh, Shinran says that it's like our uh, father mm-hmm. and it's like our mother. Yes. So uh, because kind of taking like uh, what would generally be our like roles. Um, or like the mother and father roles kind of thing or kind of yeah like yeah. like compassionate like yeah. a, a father compassionate okay. like a mother so mm-hmm. um you know the way that they um you know they love you mm-hmm. uh in in both ways so the same way Amida Buddha is neither just male or just female but like both in that yeah. uh it has um all of the um positive values all of the positive mm-hmm. um caring uh, that comes from um, either uh, either person, you know, like it. Um, yeah, we are the recipient of. Yeah. So that idea that it, it doesn't matter um, <clears throat> one or the other, we are still receiving compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then also to kind of touch on what you were talking about earlier, uh, one thing within Buddhism that um, it tries to help us understand the true reality of things is to break away our labels that we put on things yeah uh very often we like to categorize things mm-hmm. um and it makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint yeah. that it, it helps us to understand the world mm-hmm. but then we start getting into these um prejudices that stop us from mm-hmm. understanding the world as it truly exists mm-hmm. so to try to break away from those kinds of labels to see things as they actually are um, helps us to be more respectful, to, to be more understanding and more open to hearing uh, the people around us. And hopefully that will um, lead us to li- uh, live more of uh, a meaningful life. Yeah, and I think for us, just as leaders of the temple, that we can try and use Buddhism to kind of treat people more openly. Mm -hmm. And I know it's easy for us to kind of get in a narrow minded of like, Oh, well they're acting this way. And it's the same thing. Like we're just applying labels to them without, you know, respectfully communicating with them and kind of trying to have that open mind Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, why did they do it this way? Or like maybe they're acting this way to compensate for something and that it's my fault for, you know, adding barriers to that. Uh-huh. Kind of thing, as like a man to a woman, right? Kind of right. thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, really. <laughs> um, but I do think that it's important that we start not necessarily creating op- or giving opportunities, but because I feel like as it's kind of I don't know, also a bad thing if we're just like, oh, you're a woman here, you take this higher position. Like you're not handing it out, but you're treating it equally as if like two people were to come up. It doesn't matter names, gender kind of thing. Like you have to treat them equally. Right. And I think that's something that, you know, we can learn from Buddhism is that we need to be open-minded in that way and we need to kind of have the right, I don't know, vision for that. Right, And, and then opening up these opportunities to everyone equally, it, mm-hmm. it opens up the possibility of even more uh, growth, right? Strengthening mm-hmm. um, the possibilities within a organization, right? Yeah. Within someone's life, whatever it is. Like when you open yourself up like that, then um, there's more opportunities for everyone to uh, benefit. And yeah. So mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't do anyone any negatives by allowing uh, people to be in a role in an equal sense. Right? Mm-hmm. Then you, then you do end up getting hopefully the best person for the job. Yeah. And I, I mean, for me, I've never really thought of it that way because I think us growing up, we've both had very strong female role models yeah, in our lives. Absolutely. And, and you know, when I was in junior YBA, it was mostly young women who were in charge and same thing going into like college YBA is the same thing. It's just kind of, I've always known it to be young women taking charge of those kind of groups and being the leaders. Yep. And I've never really thought of it as a negative. I've never really considered it kind of like, 
oh, this is like a good thing for women because it's always just been. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, when I, I remember, um, I was uh, invited to be um, the Bay District representative for uh, my temple. Mm-hmm. And I was invited by the president of the Bay District, who was a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, our excuse me, our junior YB advisor was a woman. Yeah. So like these roles that were filled by um, female people, mm-hmm. uh, I think like you, you know, I didn't. I didn't really think about it as anything. If anything, I thought it was a good thing because it wasn't, you know, us knucklehead boys like <laughs> these positions. Like, yeah. Oh, good, someone who's responsible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's someone who position. knows what they're doing, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to us, who's just like, eh. yeah, <laughs> right. So, but yeah, then you you don't um, think about it again, like you're saying, like, oh, good for you. You're a yeah. woman. You yeah, know, like you're in a way leadership to represent position. your gender, right? Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, um, I suppose. Uh, that touches on our uh, male privilege that we don't have to think about yeah. those kinds of issues, right? Exactly. Or maybe yeah, if yeah, yeah. we were women and we saw that, then we mm-hmm. would think that way. Like, oh, like, good for you. You know, you're one of yeah. us and you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because we don't have those kinds of barriers, we don't have those kinds of thoughts. So now looking back, you know, knowing what we do know now, maybe um, for myself, I would be more conscious mm-hmm. and maybe even, um, you know, uh, express that. Yeah. Uh, to her, to to our president, to be mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm I'm happy, you know, and I'm proud of you for for doing this. Yeah. Um. So I hope it. Yeah, you know, and can... I think, you know, there is a fine line between, um, or just being like almost patronizing in a right, way. Yeah. Because I, I that's kind of how I feel about you know just kind of I don't know handing out role or leadership positions. Yeah. To people, it's kind of like, oh, well, you're a woman, so here you can have it. Right. Because we need to have more. It, it shouldn't be like that. Right. right. And you're right. I think we do need to, or not we, not we need to, but I think we should celebrate like women being in leadership positions and yeah. kind of having that role and kind of making that progression for them. Right. I obviously, you know, it, it's not this constant like, back padding of like oh you made yeah. it and you're a uh-huh. woman but just to acknowledge like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah that it is good to see um you know people who uh to have that diversity in the role mm-hmm. yeah yeah um did you want to talk about the commercial anymore um kind of come back full circle on that commercial really quick yeah well uh so to i guess wrap up with the commercial i think this idea of being the best that a man can be is to really be supportive mm-hmm. of our uh, female, um, you know, sisters, coworkers, yeah. uh, the the people in our lives um, who don't have the same kind of barriers um, that uh, we have, and you know, they have much. Um, more difficult times. And so whatever, whatever it is that we can do to help, uh, support them, um, is in line with these values that we have, uh, within Buddhism in supporting, uh, all of our surrounding, um, sentient beings. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, at the end of the day, uh, life is life, uh, love is love. And so, um, when we see people who are, um, suffering we try to help them when we see uh women in uh the workplace in our temples in our lives that are suffering uh whatever we can do to help to support them and to also be a role model for young women uh for us to be role models for young men Mm -hmm. to continue to uh keep this um idea of respecting women of putting them uh, in a equal position, yeah. uh, whatever we can do, um, it becomes uh, our responsibility uh, because of all of the privileges that we have been given. Um, it doesn't stop with us. We have to take all of the things that we've got, all of the opportunities, mm-hmm. all of the compassion, and then to pay it forward to uh, the people around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think the idea of you know their their slogan, the best a man can be. Um, I think it's important for us to remember that 
we need to be to be the best we can be mm-hmm. that even within the temples and as like Buddhists, we need to be the best Buddhists we can be right. and kind of promote that or maybe not even promote, just kind of live consciously of the Buddhist teachings mm-hmm. and kind of learn to incorporate them in our lives. Cause I think by incorporating those kind of things, that's how we will create that equality without, you know, in, being patronizing Mm -hmm. it's by incorporating buddhism and living like open living with an open mind and kind of treating everyone equally that that's how we get to a place where we need to be as a society and Mm -hmm. and more so i mean i know it's hard to get to that step but as a temple as a community that's the steps we need to take and i think that's something that we don't always see within our temples uh, within our temple leadership is that people living a like more Buddhist lifestyle. Uh And that's not to kind of roast (laughs) our temple (laughs) leadership or like our BCA leadership or anything. I think it's hard in our own lives to be conscious of like being conscious of having Buddhism in our lives and using it as a lifestyle as opposed to a, I don't know, idea. Yeah. And, and, you know, it says the be, be the best a man can be like, be a man. Yeah. (laughs) But like at the end of the day, uh, you're still uh, a man, and, mm-hmm. and what I mean is you're still a human. You yes. know, like, and we're all imperfect. So none of us are going to be able to do this all the time. We're not mm-hmm. going to do it right. You know, this entire podcast, I, you know, we might have been offending people left and right. We could be mansplaining the whole idea, exactly. Yeah, of we- <laughs> male privilege, which I mean, again, it's it's a fine line because it's not our intent. But as men, yeah. that's we're limited. Kinda, yeah, yeah, we have a, we limited, have a limited very things. limited perspective so, on it. So yeah, so it's it, you. You try to be the best that you can be, uh, and you're going to come up short. You're mm-hmm. going to mess up. You're going to you know within these politics and everything. Yeah. Like there's going to be fights. There's going to be misunderstandings, and we're gonna um, uh, unintentionally mm-hmm. do things that uh, make other people unhappy. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. But that doesn't mean that we stop trying to be the best. We yeah. do the best that we can mm-hmm. uh, to try to promote these values. And that's all we can really ask of ourselves yeah. is to do the most. Yeah. And I think for us, too, it's about being open to that conversation after mm-hmm. as well. Right. That we we know that we have a very limited perspective on things. Right. But we are definitely always willing to listen to other people's perspectives and maybe even start taking them into consideration because without, without anybody telling us anything, we'll never know what we're doing wrong. And you know, that's that again, that's like our privilege is that we kind of can just do things and, (laughs) and they're just widely accepted, but it should be our goal to, improve ourselves and right. change our lifestyles to for the betterment of our communities. Right. And it, it all starts with this idea of wanting to be the best that mm-hmm. you can be. And if you really truly have that uh, desire, then you will open up yourself for criticism, open up yourself yeah. for opposing views. Uh, and when you're able to uh, listen and really take into consideration uh, these different things, then that's when you can be uh, the best person you can be because if you're closed off then there's absolutely no room mm-hmm. for growth if you're comfortable in your own little uh, you know little bubble then you're never going to be any better but when you open yourself up that's when that opportunity for you to be um, improving to push yourself to be even better than you already are that's when um, those opportunities come up yeah and I know this commercial can kind of I think there was a lot of not backlash, but people saying like, oh, this is just social commercialism. Mm-hmm. And it's using like, you know, social um, issues. Yeah, social yeah. issues to kind of promote your own project or product. Yeah. But I think, you know, to me, the message of this commercial goes beyond that. And I realize it is a commercial. Yeah. But it, if you watch it without knowing that, you would never know it's a, yeah. it's a commercial, right? So in that way, I think it... It definitely kind of hits a mark for us as Buddhists that we need to be the best we can in whichever way that is and however we can do that. And I think, you know, some ways we can start doing that is just by living more of a kind of Buddhist lifestyle and kind of, again, incorporating the teachings into our lives. And I think by practicing the teachings, it 
it becomes easier and easier until it becomes your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, to me, this commercial, uh, it kind of, it is a way for us to, or it is a thing for us to remind ourselves that, you know, we need to be better and that we can be better. And I think for us as Buddhists, the way we can do that is kind of by even taking the most simple teachings, whether it be like something like the eightfold path. And I think, For me, it's kind of like the right view and seeing like our male privilege in -hmm. a certain way and how that affects other people and, you know, allowing other people to bring their perspectives into the fold kind of thing. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're coming up, we're coming up on an hour. Do you want to do like a part two? We can. Okay. Because I feel like we could maybe touch on like the toxic masculinity more and then okay. and then go into this like eightfold path thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. You want to you want to Do you want to just keep recording on this one or you want to Uh, I suppose we should break it up, huh? Yeah, okay. Or do you want to keep recording? No, no, no. Or... we can break it up. Go ahead. Okay. Um so I think this uh will conclude the first ever uh first part two of two a part? two part. Yeah, the first part, part yeah. of a two part first ever two part podcast you want to try that one more time (laughs) (laughs) this this will conclude the first part of our first ever two-part podcast yeah yeah wow i guess we just have too much to say about this yeah so (laughs) um i'm reverend matt well you're not gonna no plug oh plug okay i'm reverend matt uh you can find me uh on instagram at rev matt hama um Really, that's all I'm doing right now is just the Instagram. Yeah. Well, we'll work on the other we'll, stuff. We'll work on everything We, else. we always say that, and we never do. Yeah. So we'll get there one day. Someday. Uh, I'm regular Matt. Uh, you could find me at the underscore Matt near everything. I don't have anything else. Yeah. Just, just Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so um, hopefully uh, listen in uh, next time for the, the rest of our um, – Male male privilege. privilege toxic masculinity episode. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm regular Matt. I'm Reverend Matt. And this was, and this was the, the welcome, welcome Matt podcast. Cast. Okay. Right, bye. bye.